0: On tape on this Sunday, January 21st, 2024, it is the Sunday of divisional weekend where we saw a thriller to wrap up the Saturday contests with the 49ers pulling a victory. Out of the jaws of defeat, eking out a win over Green Day, 24 to 21. Tears on one side, jeers on the other. Tears on one side, jeers on the other. No, it's tears on one side and cheers on the other, as Brock Purdy was able to put behind a miserable game to lead a late drive, hit pay dirt with under two minutes left, and then he we all watched Jordan Love go full Brett Favre. <laughs> 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 That joke made eight million times on the internet last night, and if you want to see, they match up Favre's last pass with the Vikings to Jordan Love's pass last night where it's literally like the same pass, last of Favre's career, that being that playoff loss for Minnesota, and then Love's last night. So he goes full Brett Favre, that's the joke, and throws a pick to end the contest. Now, as for that earlier game, all Lamar Jackson, all Ravens, it was the end of the underdog rookie story for D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud and the entire rest of the Houston Texans roster. So they end up falling in that one, 34-10 to 10 in favor of Baltimore. But before we talk about that game, let's go to the nightcap. And to do that, we are going to fly out to revisit San Francisco and Levi Stadium. And what was, I guess, at some points without being there and just going off what you saw on TV, was a monsoon out in San Francisco. And as everybody uh, has noted, it there's a very small sample size here. Brock Purdy, I think, has played in two rain games, last night being one and the other one being against Cleveland at some point. And if you follow Twitter, there were people very fast to throw up all kinds of stats related to his rain game performance. And that performance is kind of shitty. So... Curtis he couldn't really get it done early. Got it done in the last drive, but look, I'm gonna use Greg Olson as my jump-off point here because, look, I, Greg Olson is, I guess, a fine broadcaster. Uh, you know, he's new, uh, not a rookie, but rookie in terms of his overall career arc. Um, I, I don't think he is a number one analyst by any stretch. Um, a funny thing, he was actually at UM playing when I went to grad school there. And I went to grad school way old, uh, <laughs> way late to be a real graduate student in like broadcast journalism. I was mid-20s when I went back, but I really wanted to do it, and that's what I did. And the funny thing was that Olsen and uh, his dad brother, they lived in Wayne. He was the coach uh, Wayne Hills. Olsen went there, so did his brother. I went to Northern Highlands, so Olsen, their coach, and Steve Simonetti, who was my coach, used to coach together, and I'm gonna butcher it, but I, I think it might have been at uh, might have been at Eastside. E- either Eastside or Canada. I think it was at Eastside. Uh yeah, <laughs> coach would be pissed that I screwed that up because he's told the story. But anyway, um, so the long story short is that they knew each other. So Highlands and Wayne Hills used to go off to uh do our camps in the summer together, and so I remember Greg Olson when he was like super tiny because him and his brother used to come up for camp every uh, every summer. And so when I was in high school, he was way younger, and so he was just like a little tiny dude. And then all these years later, I'm at UM, and I'm you know I'm doing interviews for the. The TV station on campus, and of course, being in the sports program, you're interviewing. All of a sudden, it's Greg Olson, but he's not this short little kid anymore. He's super tall. So there's my uh, meaningless story about me and Greg Olson, who don't know each other from Adam. Uh, but in terms of broadcasting, he's fine. For some people, not for me. I just don't. I don't like the commentary, and sometimes I just think it's like. Completely, utterly stupid. I, like, I just I scratch my head. Now, I have friends who argue the complete opposite side, but I'm going to use him as a jump-off point because last night, somewhere in the early fourth quarter, he was talking and he said something to the effect of that. This game is evenly matched, and these two teams, I see him as playing the same. It was like, what, like, ah! are you kidding me? What are you talking about? Greg, I'm so confused. Are you watching the same game that I am? These teams are evenly matched and playing the same game. Not at all. I I couldn't argue. They were playing completely different. For San Francisco, let's look at this. They, they end up getting this win when they should have lost. And if you look back and, like, how, how did it go this way? Because, you know, they were a 10-point favorite. I actually liked them to cover that spread. I stupid me. Um, and... You think back, like, how did it go so wrong? So I watched the condensed version. The All Twenty Two is not up, and I'm not going to invest, you know, three hours chopping up All Twenty Two. Uh, but I did watch the condensed version, and man, it played out really different after the fact than I than it did while I was watching the game. And while I was watching the game, I just thought San Francisco was just, uh, you know, just giving the game over, and they kind of did. But I thought they played a lot worse than they actually did. Their defense stunk. Their offense was okay. I mean, it was really Murphy's law for San Francisco. Purdy, as noted, struggled in the rain. So there you go. That's why he was throwing the ball all over the place. You know, he couldn't hit these open receivers, sometimes in key spots. But it wasn't all the time. There was sporadic times within that he was making dump off passes, hitting short routes. He didn't hit any big plays. But, you know, for whatever, for what it's worth, he struggled in the rain. At various times. So there you go with one. Number two. Debo Samuel went down again. This guy gets hurt all the fucking time. And I feel bad for San Francisco. Because if he ends up being as big a piece of the offense as he is said to be over the years... It sucks that you just lose him sporadically throughout seasons, and especially in key games like this. There was somebody on Twitter, and again, I don't remember who it was, and I don't know it was validated, but I think it might have been a reporter of some name, some ilk, and he said something to the effect of the game had a lot of Debo Samuel factored into it, and like kind of key strategically Debo Samuel plays marked up and deployed into the strategy. Him, go, him going out, all of a sudden, that takes that whole thing and throws it out the window, right? So, Debo Samuel goes down. Who knows how much that really would have had an effect, but if you want to believe what you read sometimes and what you've seen in the past and what people have talked about, then that sucks for San Francisco. To my brother's point, and he said this routinely throughout, is that, Purdy has to have everybody around him. And he was like, it, they should. when Williams is gone, when Debo Samuel has gone, McCaffrey's gone, Purdy struggles. I don't know if that's the case. I, I mean, he thinks he's got enough evidence and that is his theory. And I, I can't take it away because when those guys are out, he seems to do worse. I, I just think that he was off specifically with the rain last night. I don't know what it is. I think I think regardless of who's in and who's out, I think Purdy just has these games in him. And I think when they lost those games and when they lose future games, I think it's just going to be a Purdy off game. You know? I, there were, there were uh, surveys going on Twitter last night after the game, almost immediately. Who do you want going forward? Jordan Love and Brock Purdy. And it was Jordan Love by a mile. I'm not going to argue against that. Love looked good. I think Purdy's not as far back as uh, as those surveys say. I, I don't know. It's still early for both of them. But, you know, Love early on, people... We're talking him up. oh, they found the quarterback, they found the quarterback, and then all of a sudden he cooled off and people weren't talking about him again. And then they got hot on him on, on the back end of the year, right? And then it was all the talk again. Uh, Purdy's a system quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. We need to see more. I just don't think it, it's as much of a landslide in between. However, the risk for Jordan Love, I think, will continue to be very far and right? He's just, in Rodgers as well, he's going to make mistakes, because he tries too hard, he freelances, et cetera, et cetera. That's his risk. I think the Brock Purdy risk is that he could just throw up a shit ball game uh, for whatever reason. I think he just, it might be a game where it's like, ugh, uh, fucking, we got, you know, kind of like bad golf, good golf, as we said over the years, you know, we got bad Purdy. I just don't think it's going to be as frequent as Goff off and on. It's just going to be some games like, ah, shit, Brock. It was one of those games. Who knows? But anyway, in this game, Purdy struggles in the rain. He has a bad game. (laughs) Debo Samuel goes down. And again, this is all in reference to Murphy's law being for San Francisco. The defense, early on, because it was raining, they were the ones, San Francisco's defense, was slipping all over the field for big plays. So, There again, Green Bay not slipping, uh, you know, and and resulting in big plays. For San Francisco, though, yeah, for sure, they did. Their defensive line got zero pressure, which taxed the back seven all game long. That led to actually two pass interference pass interferences, one being big, and we'll talk about that later. I mean, they're all big. But uh, one was in the end zone uh, that gave him the first, but the other one was at a key point, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. That also led to Warner trying to compensate for the back seven just getting run all over by Aaron Jones, who had another monster game back-to-back weeks. And Warner trying to fly around, trying to make plays because the line is getting nothing so he's trying around, trying to do something. He ended up putting himself in—he sh- put himself in shit positions from time to time. That you were just looking like, oh man, there was one run early on. I think he tried to—he tried to anticipate it and run into into the line to make the tackle, but he picked the wrong gap, and then Jones ran through the gap. Where had he just not been so aggressive? He probably could have slid and filled that hole. But uh, anyway, so Warner starts flying all over the field, puts himself in bad spots because the line's getting no pressure. Uh, Things just not going right, right? Here we go. Another one, missed field goal. And that was at the end of the first half. This one, again, talked about. I don't understand, for Shanahan, as good as he coach he is, how he screwed this one up. Third and one with one timeout time running running down, you know. I mean, it, it, it's under a minute. I forget what it was. Uh, uh, I think it was under a minute. But whatever it was. It was 31 one He had one timeout. The idea is to get the first. Get the first down. They ran this, uh, you know, like a convoluted pass play, and it was like, oh, man. Like, I don't know. Think about You need one yard. You need one yard. Maybe you just do a quarterback sneak there. And if you don't get it, then you can consider maybe running again for the first because you have the timeout, or maybe you just kicked the field goal. Actually, I don't think a, a, a quarterback sneak would have worked there. But some play that was better designed to get you one to three yards than what they threw out there. You know, they didn't even and they didn't even use the timeout. It was just kind of like, I don't know, what the hell happened right there? And so They get the third and one. They don't get the conversion. They kick the field goal. It ends up getting blocked, and that's the end of the first half. So another thing goes wrong for San Francisco. San Francisco comes back. They end up taking the lead on a touchdown in the third quarter. On the ensuing kickoff, Green Bay gets a huge kick return. On top of that, they fumble the ball, but then San Francisco doesn't get the ball. It ends up getting picked up by Green Bay. Nothing going right. Nothing going right for San Francisco. I mean, literally nothing. Everything is going against them. Then, third and 15. This was huge because San Francisco has the stop locked in, and I think this was on the very next series after the kick return. It's like a third and 15, and then pass interference for 40-plus yards. I, I mean... Holy shit. Holy shit. And that was against uh, Aubrey Thomas. That, that was the second one. He had, the, I think, both of them. One in the end zone. And then this one. That ended up giving him the first down. They end up scoring off of it. Right? And so, then, as time goes on, Purdy just continues to play like crap. I'm not going to give a ding there because it, it, we already talked about it. Right? He just isn't hitting receivers. He's throwing the ball all over. Again, Everything that could have went wrong for San Francisco did go wrong in last night's game, right? Up until, up until, it and everybody's talking about it. I, I, well, don't drum around. The Green Bay missed field goal, right? Which is crazy when you think about how that happened so late in the game when they got so close and were marching up and down on San Francisco pretty routinely throughout the game. So, Wilson gets that first down, and th- this is why I think it's a little nutty. Wilson gets the first down because they're running all over the goddamn 49er defense, right? 49 a terrible call by me. I talked about it yesterday. I was like, ah, Christy, you know, Cowboys, 49ers, 49ers defense has been playing pretty well. You know, and they just got ran all over, which Mina Connors M- 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 was, you know, doing victory laps all over Twitter because she's been talking about their shitty run defense all game long and they got I, I mean just trounced yesterday and there I am fucking talking to my brother I, I like 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 sound like an asshole talking about how their defense I thought they played well and then I watch this game and I watch it again this morning and it's like oh my god they didn't play good at all what a terrible take by me but anyway San Francisco misses that field field goal and this is how they got there what I'm saying Wilson gets the first down on the run. He leap, he frogs. I forget whoever was uh, Ward. Maybe was trying to tackle him. Leaps over him. I mean, they march down the field with running. First and ten. Some another convoluted pass play. You know, I, I mean, same thing. Kind of like what happened on the 31 for San Francisco. Like, I, don't run a convoluted pass play. Think about what you need here. You need a couple of yards. Run a play to get a couple of yards. Here, first and ten. You're running all over the place. You know that you want to get a little more yardage, or just keep doing what's You know, working out for you, and that's just running the ball. They don't do that. Then they do a run on second down. They end up, the line pushes everybody to the left. Jones runs a little bit to the left, and we'll talk about him later again, but Greenlaw comes from the weak side and makes a spectacular tackle on second down because it looked like everybody was going to push him left, and Jones could have cut back right and tried to take advantage of the space and the fact that momentum had pushed San Francisco's line out of the play, and Greenlaw was there to make the tackle. Third down comes, and all of a sudden, the fucking line just collapses. It is like (laughs) a train wreck. Nobody gets anybody. All All four defensive linemen for San Francisco who have not gotten pressure on Love all game long are just all up in their face at the most opportune time. And then that ends up being, I think it was an incompletion or he might have threw it to a tight end on like a screen for no yardage. But whatever it was, that forces them to kick the ball I think it was a 40-something yarder, and ends up being no good wide left. And that's when everything shifted. Because after that miss is when San Francisco ended up turning around. Purdy pulls off this drive. Kittle blows a third down, uh, a, a second down reception for a first down. And then you're like, oh, Christ, now it's third down. Kittle, that, because Kittle was in first down territory. Goes right through his hands, drills his numbers, just falls to the ground. And then Ayuk makes a crazy catch. I, you know, I guess you could compliment Purdy for putting it in the spot that only Ayuk could get it. But, I mean, God, it was like almost in the dirt, and Ayuk just got there, and he got it both hands underneath. And it was a phenomenal play. And then fo- followed up by there, I think he threw to Walker, 84 on the sideline who went out of bounds. That got them even more yardage. Purdy gets that friggin' Scramble, which was crazy, and then you know I don't know what we could talk about it a little bit, but whether or not Green Bay let him in or not. But after the um Purdy scramble, then they end up going in with who uh, was it McCaffrey that ran in with that giant hole in defensive line, which I think they meant. I haven't read on in the uh, Twitter feeds to see if people agree or not, but whatever it be. Um, so that's what happens all off of the Green Bay. Missed field goal. So San Francisco ends up winning 24 to 21. And, you know, whatever. I just talked about it before, but love throws that pick uh, after they get the ball back. So San Francisco wins. How they do it? Number one, Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Fucking, even though he used to get hurt, he's kept himself healthy enough. And is just such a cog in the machine. I mean, he's more than a cog in the machine. He is just a genuine MVP candidate type player. Um, you know, looking back at his career, you know, he's got a little more longevity, but definitely has that Hall of Fame type feel to it. You know, I got—I haven't looked at his stats over, over the long term, but, you know, he lost a couple of years there in Carolina where he's just really insignificant, but... God, had he just been on a better team, and here he is, you know, in the Shanahan system. The dude is just a stud. So that was number one. Number two, equally on the other side of the ball, Greenwalk's play last night was fantastic. On top of the two interceptions, which were pivotal, that tackle on second down that kept Green Bay from getting any yardage when they needed some extra yardage to make an easier field goal was a huge play because that made it third and nine or third and long or whatever it was. And like I said, the line collapsed on the very next play. So Green Greenlaw's play also to be applauded. And then another round of kudos is to Brock Purdy. He played like absolute dog shit. So why are you giving him a fucking round of applause, Rich? Because even though He played like absolute dog shit at the very end of the game. He fucking dusted himself off, picked himself out off the ground, and produced this final drive to get into Pater. And his scramble on, I forget what down it was, but the scramble that got him down to, you know, third and one was phenomenal. I mean, it was phenomenal. And the fucking guy, he put himself out there, right? I mean, I, I don't know if it was smart to go head first, but, I mean, it was aggressive. He wanted it. He really took charge of that last drive. Does it make up for all the shitty play he had before him? I don't know. Maybe not. I, but there's something to be said about taking the bull by the horns, insert sports analogy here, you know, rising to the occasion, right? Right. And that's what he did on that final drive and let him down there. Now, how did Green Bay lose this shit? Uh, You know, it's crazy to think about. But, I mean, number one, you didn't capitalize with points. For as good as they played and better as they played compared to San Francisco, they were marching all over San Francisco's defense. The defense that I said was, was... star-studded and was playing better than the Cowboys. <laughs> asshole. No, they, Green Bay destroyed him. Ran all over the goddamn place. But at the end of the half, you're talking single digits. You know, the first quarter at one point, I think they outscored it. Maybe for the quarter, and I, I read it. Somebody else can go in the box score and dig. But it was something like 111 yards to, uh, you know, 22, right? And even at that, I they didn't open it up. You know, you would think that with that kind of performance you would have taken advantage of it. It's three nothing after one and it's 7-6 in three nothing Green Bay after one and it's 7-6 at halftime in favor of San Francisco. So you outplay them in that first half and you get six points out of the whole deal. And then to you know, add to that, you don't even walk out with a lead. You're you're the underdogs at halftime what was i kept thinking about uh at halftime when they were down 7-6 was man you know 75% of the time ish the team with the halftime lead wins and like it's arbitrary but it's 75% of the time however that plays out you know it it does for whatever reason and san francisco walks in 7-6 at halftime I thought that was the number one thing. They as as good as they played, they didn't get points. Number two, they lost their rhythm down the stretch. This primarily that drive at first down and 10 after the Walker play, which I talked about. But in the second half, it just feels like it got away from a little bit. You know, I mean I I know they came out strong in 15. They scored 15 points in the third, but in the fourth they scored 0. Big, giant fucking goose egg in the fourth in the fourth quarter. And down the stretch, it was just something went off. You know, it whatever they were doing right in the first half in quarter three, they didn't follow it up down the stretch. And I just thought it was wasted opportunities, you know, not capitalizing the points, and then their just offensive rhythm, you know, breaking down. And then talking about breaking down, the last one was the defense. <laughs> I'm sorry, it broke down late. Purdy's drive was because Green Bay's defense, who was getting solid pressure and was playing run defense, they all of a sudden, they're just giving these big chunk plays up. When it was like, dude, you guys didn't do this whole game. You know, I mean, they they were using McCaffrey and they were able to get McCaffrey had the big run for the touchdown, but you guys for the most part were holding them down and keeping Purdy an absolute mess for most of this game. And then at the the key spot, your offense sputters and your defense sputters at the right time at, at the wrong time and together. They both fell apart together. So what do you do? You left looking back and you're like, oh shit. Our offense went out, our defense went out at the same time, late in the game. And why did that open it up? Because we didn't have enough points on the board. And why didn't we have enough points on the board? Because we just we didn't score even though we were in command on the offensive side of the ball the whole game. And I that's that's as simple as it was for me. Uh, you know, Green Bay had they held their composure later in the game, I think they probably could have gotten that win. And for San Francisco, you know, I I think yeah, it shouldn't have been this close. I think San Francisco should have handily won this game. And if you played this game in a dome on a neutral field, I don't think it's this close. I mean literally when you go back and rewatch that game everything that possibly could have went wrong for the 49ers went wrong and that was the way it broke down on Saturday night I, I not a great game in terms of the the quality of play but a great game for the th- the thrill of watching a sporting event on TV and watching a team come back and I Green Bay people are gonna to be pissed off you go if you go online today what you're going to see is a lot of Packers are youthful. Jordan Love is young. They've got the world is their oyster and the future is ahead of them. And that is a very positive outlook on life and embrace that and think that and look forward to the future. I think the NFL produces such a fleeting window of opportunity for any set team that I think you just got to be beating yourself up this morning. Yeah, sure. Positive outlook. We've got a great future ahead of us. But fuck, we gave that goddamn game away. We gave it away. And had they won that game and then had to go to either Detroit or to Tampa Bay, would they have went to Tampa? Yeah, because Tampa Bay was a division winner. I think that Green Bay would have been a super live dog in either of those games. Tampa Bay, they definitely win. And Detroit, I think they probably would have given a good run for their money. And it would have had a very New York Giants wild card-esque feel to them. And if that's the case, this game, losing this game when it was yours, may have cost you a Super Bowl appearance. You know? So, it sucks. It sucks to think about and i'm all down for the positivity but you missed out on a, on a huge opportunity here huge opportunity now to san francisco you can't do this again because in either of the next two games you're not going to be able to capitalize on this again now is it going to rain no so i throw they're talking about the rain next week and then the super bowls in the dome there's no rain next week for San Francisco. Like I said, you don't have to worry about a dome, so the next two games should be fine, right? But everything else, all these other mistakes that happened regardless, right? So the rain screwed up Purdy, and the defense slipped all over the place, giving up big plays, but the line not getting pressure, the the back seven playing kind of like dog shit, you know, missing field goals, running, you know, Head-scratching time management plays toward the end while you're trying to get that field goal. Like You you can't do this again. You can't play another shit game either versus Detroit. You might get away with it for first the box, but uh, not versus Detroit and definitely not in the Super Bowl against whoever the AFC representative is. Representer? Yeah, represent. The representation for the AFC. Do it backwards. Cover my ass. Um, you're just not going to be able to do it. So San Francisco's got to wake up. They got to get back to what they were doing well before this game. And Green Bay, again, be positive, but fuck, you missed out on one. So as for the other game, not a lot to talk about. We'll fly over to Baltimore for this one. Uh, You know, what do you What do you want to talk about here? I mean, it was kind of a thorough shellacking, if you ask me. It was all Lamar Jackson, sixteen for twenty two, one fifty two through the air, two touchdowns, eleven for a hundred and two touchdowns on the ground. Guy counted for four touchdowns yesterday. So, Baltimore fans. I, they don't even remember who the fuck I am. But doing cartwheels, uh, if they remembered me, for the fact that I said, you know, Lamar Jackson was not a good passer because they would have looked at this game and they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? I think his, uh, pass, his rating, too, was through the roof, but I don't have that in front of me. Um, and, I, again, I would argue, look, I, I said he was a bad passer. And in the context of it, it was actually... <laughs> in reta- not retaliation, that's not the right word, but it was focused on Mina Kimes one variable analysis of 49ers versus Ravens, which was the Ravens, and uh, well, again, again uh, this goes back to the, the game last night, Is the 49ers run defense sucks, and so the Ravens could run all over them, and that could be the game. And then I said, well, yeah, unless San Francisco goes up a couple of scores, and then Ravens have to pass to come back from behind. And, you know, Jackson's not a good passer. And then then that's what led to it. Now all of a sudden Jackson's, you know, just marching on. As a quarterback, completely functional and can definitely win with him. It's been proven. Not my argument. My argument is that I don't think he's a good passer. And if you get in a position where you have to come from behind and he needs to make big passing plays, I don't think that that's in him. That was my argument. So... Um, but it doesn't matter because once you put that stuff out there, it, it's out there and people won't forget it, and they, they'll take no context to it. But whatever, we have fun with it. Uh, at least I try to. I don't know. There's fucking five people listening to this podcast. If that, uh, I don't know how much fun we have with it. But um, so Jackson just mops up the floor with the fucking Texans. Uh, Stroud, you know, I don't know. Performance not significant. Nineteen for thirty three. A buck 75. They got nothing on the ground, you know, a total of 38 yards rushing. Uh, Nico Collins has a great season, ends it, you know, five for 68. You know, I I mean, in terms of, Baltimore, you can't even go and and look at their receiving and point to anybody either because it was like forty to Flowers. Flowers had that one nice catch Uh, that was I think it was for seventeen, which is which is long. Bateman for thirty nine. Likely, oh Likely's touchdown. I will say the Likely touchdown was a beautiful catch uh, by Likely. Ball was thrown behind him. He reached up and back, and it was it looked pretty on tape. Uh, It was amazing in the time, and then when they replayed it, was it actually got prettier. Uh, so and then Nelson Aguilar, Nelson Aguilar sighting, you know, he, he got that one touchdown. So I, it, it was just all over the place. It was this game was all Baltimore, all Lamar Jackson, if anything, also all on the ground. Uh, on top of Jackson's hundred, Justice Hill ran for sixty six. Gus Edwards ran for forty Dalvin Cook for twenty three. And that was the one that I was hoping for and I, I, it was one of my bets, was that Dalvin Cook would get a cheapo touchdown because he'd be the eldest statesman of the running back group, and they would try to give him something, you know, late. And it was a blowout, right? It was 34-10, and he got a, a big chunk a big chunk. Of his total yardage down the stretch, when I think Gus Edwards went out, and then all of a sudden they put Hill in there, uh, Cook in there, and I was like, oh, Cook's going to get it here. And that was uh, one of my things. I don't know how that bet turned out. I think, uh, did I put, oh, no, that was the one that I bet. That was the one that I mentioned that I had done uh, for fun on my own personal account. So, um, but again, the run game, uh, Lamar Jackson, D'Amico Ryan, CJ Stroud, great rookie effort, comes to a crashing halt. I, uh, I think that this D'Amico Ryans is, I think, going to be the quote unquote leader of men coach because he had what one or two years as a defense coordinator after he replaced Sala and it could have been Sala's scheme. It could have just been the 49ers scheme. You know, you'd have to talk to San Francisco beat reporters, but I thought he was a defensive mind and then he ends up, coming into, you know, uh, whatever. He comes into uh, uh, Houston, and I think, I don't know if I would have said that uh, defense was what they would be talking about uh, this year. No, they talked about C.J. Stroud. That's what it was about. And unfortunately, just didn't get it done in this game. Not a big deal. Uh, You know, it happens. If, If you were to say, if you were to take Green Bay and Houston, and you were trying to do the glass-half-full argument, I think that Houston is the glass-half-full argument. Houston is the first-year coach, first-year quarterback, pieces in place, definitely build on this. Things are looking up and up. You can do the same thing for Green Bay, sure, but I think... Green Bay, you would look at it and be like, "Yeah, well, not only that, but this we could have ran with. We could have fucking ran with this team a little bit, and we might have been able to get into the Super Bowl." I, you know, Houston pulls that off against Baltimore. I don't care. They're, I don't think they're going to pull it off against Kansas City or Buffalo. Whoever gets by that, I mean, it's just it's a tough mountain to climb to do that twice, and they couldn't even do Baltimore. So, um, but Green Bay, completely different story. They they had climbed the mountain of San Francisco and then fell down it. Uh, But they easily could have done the same to either Tampa Bay or Detroit. So uh, that is that. Let's look. The reason that I really uh, fired up the podcast and did it today was because I wanted to get some more bets in there. uh, Because I'm basically out minus my alternate spread parlay. So then I touched base with my brother because he said he was thinking about doing some extra stuff. And so, you know, he he gave me a couple too. So uh, before that, let, let's go to the, we'll consider it the gambling segment. So let's fly out to the great state of New Jersey where I am and uh, Broken Helmet Central, if you will. And so let's just recap last night's games in terms of gambling and where we ended up with all of the wagers. So it was the Ravens as the favorite covering that spread. It was a push in terms of the over-under. Depending on where you got it, it was 44 points, and that ended up being the total. Uh, Ravens obviously by 24 points in that one, but the over-under was a push. In regards to the 49ers-Packers game, this ended up being a Packers, so it was a dog Uh, You know, obviously the favorite one, but the dog covered. It was an under at 45 points. And then you had the 49ers victorious by three. Look at the teases. And then that meant that the Ravens were good for the tees. The Texans were not that the tees pushed in the 16 and they lost by 24 and flipped that around the Raven, the 49ers, not good for the tees, but the Packers definitely good as their tease went to 16 49ers full one shy uh, of the tease, which means that that you would think probably would have landed sportsbook operators quite a bit of cash because I would imagine that the 49ers were factored into a ton of teases last night at 10, bringing them down to four, not the three, but I would think that a lot of people probably did what I did and you know, pucker up to the 49ers thinking that a tease bringing it down to four would have been enough. And it just was not in this case. So that's where you land. And as for uh, Chris was right, Uh, he was one and one, got the 40, he got the Packers, but missed out on the Texans. I was the flip side. I had the Ravens, did not have the 49ers. Um, As for Sharps tickets and the money uh, in the Ravens game, the Sharps had it. The tickets did not, and then in the second game, the Sharps tickets and money pool were all on the 49ers. I hate trifecta games. I, as soon as I saw it, I probably should have forced myself not to do the 49ers. I talked about how like the wannabe sharp in me, liked the Texans and the Packers for the 10 points, but ultimately flipped the other way. I would have been wrong with the Texans. I would have been right with the Packers, so... You know, I mean, you could try to argue it 8 million ways. I went one way, and uh, that was with the 49ers. It didn't work out. Uh, and it didn't work out for anybody else. But man, those trifectas, I, I used to keep track of what trifectas landed in terms of total record. Uh, but I didn't this year. I wonder if I'd do that again next year because I really feel like every time I see a trifecta, I want to run the opposite way uh, because it doesn't work out. didn't work out here. So uh, for anything, the uh, Sharps are one in one, the tickets are one in one or oh and two and the money pool is 0 oh and one because they were a 5050 split on the Ravens Texans game. So uh, there is the gambling recap. Uh, let's talk about uh, the the wagers we have going forward. My brother has none. That's why he's throwing in uh, a couple. Well, my brother has one. He has money line. Baltimore, San Francisco, Detroit, and Buffalo. So he's looking at Detroit and Buffalo today. I have Detroit with an alternate line of minus 9.5, and and then Kansas City minus 3. I package that with the San Francisco money line, so that's what I have. So I have an alt spread going for Kansas City and Detroit. My brother just needs Detroit and Buffalo to win. So our new wagers, again, my brother is doing better than I am, so I will let him go first. Both of these are going to be $50 wagers. His first one is going to be same game parlay. He is going to take the Lions and two and a half. He is going to take Mike Evans, anytime touchdown scorer. He's going to take Jamar Gibbs over one and a half touchdowns, and he's going to take Antonio, Antoine Winfield Jr. for tackles and assists over seven and a half. So, again, his first four game, same game parlay is Lions two and a half, Mike Evans, anytime touchdown store, Jameer Gibbs over a touchdown and a half, and Winfield over seven and a half tackles. So, his second bet is going to be the same. Like I said, $50. And both of these end up paying out. Uh, $12.50 is what these pay out to be. His next four-bet same-game parlay is Bills, 6.5. Dalton Kincaid, anytime touchdown score, Rasheed Rice, over 69.5, rushing and receiving yards. LeJarrius Sneed, over 5.5, tackles and assists. So again... Four game, same game, parlay. Bills, six and a half. Kincaid, anytime touchdown. Rashid Rice, 69 and a half, rushing and receiving yards over there. Ladarius need five and a half tackles the over there. I am going to do it different. Uh, I am going to put three more bets down. I am going to end up doing the Lions minus six and the Kansas City money line. So that's going to be the Lions spread plus the KC money line because I like them to win. I'm going to put 200 down there to pull in 837 uh, on the back end. I'm going to do a a correlated parlay as well. So give me the lines again. Give me the Kansas City money line. And then I'm going to do a Goff anytime touchdown scorer because I think that if they can get some offensive production here and they get within striking distance the red zone I could see them doing something with Goff to get him in the end zone right because functionally it probably would work especially with Gibbs and Montgomery in the backfield they might key up and Detroit has been known to try to use Ben Johnson has been known to work a little uh, you know magic here with his offensive play calling so Goff's anytime touchdown scoring was really high so throw that in with the lions and the Kansas City money line give me 50 there and that will be for 1000 and like 64 bucks so my third bet is going to be independent so i gave you the two parlays correlated to each other this one give me Kansas City money line give me Patrick Mahomes over 225 yards passing Give me Pacheco over 62 and a half yards rushing. And give me Diggs over 60 and a half yards receiving. So Kansas City, I like to win. So I guess it's kind of correlated, but it's not really. I like Kansas City to win, so that was my first one. Mahomes, 225 yards. I thought that was a very safe yardage over. And the odds were fine with it because I'm building a parlay here. Pacheco 62 and a half yards on the ground I think that in order to play in this game you're going to need to do it on both sides of offense and Pacheco has been you know performing well here in the role as the lead running back for the Chiefs over the past you know two years he's really coming to his own this year, um, but for two years, he, he's been this guy. Again, we're not going to say runs mad at the grass anymore, okay? People fucking hop on board with this bus. we got to stop this shit. But Pacheco's been doing good here, so I could see him getting, you know, 70 yards, whatever it is. I just need 63. And then Diggs. Gabe Davis is out of this game. So you're looking at... Kincaid, Knox, you know Diggs. I think that Allen's going to have to lean into Diggs here if they want to capitalize on this home field push and uh, trying to net their uh, first AFC championship game since the Chiefs game, I think which it was a couple of years ago. That was the one that, that sparked all the overtime debate and the change of rules or whatnot. Uh, I don't remember now, but I think he's gonna to have to land a digs here and they wanna get the victory, sixty and a half yards. So give me that. So uh again, Kansas City, Mahomes um, over two twenty five, Pacheco over sixty two and a half, digs over sixty and a half, give me fifty for five forty-three there. And that's really why I fired it up again. Uh, you know, the you know, I don't know if anybody values my uh, analysis of the game. I highly doubt it. But uh, I wanted to get the bets in there on the record. So, uh, away we go. We are going to get ready to watch some more football here. The final weekend where we actually get two days of games going forward. It's just going to be Sundays, and there's only three games left after today's two. So, All the best to you guys. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and talk to you soon. Peace.